This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, and before we get into today's topic, just uh, Father Dickinson, before we started recording, reminded me that sometimes I forget to give the contact information because um, as, as I try to remind you listeners, uh, we do value your feedback, your input, any ideas you have for future episodes, any questions you have for fa- for. <laughs> For past from past episodes, email those to me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. How are you doing, Father? Better than my sins deserve. There we go. And the, uh, the, the tide has engulfed you, and now it's receding, the wave. I don't, what, I don't know what the metaphor here is. No, but we're, still, we're still riding the hopefully riding the crest of the wave still. Yeah, so students um, have arrived. Classes have begun at South Dakota State University. Heat in, stroke is commencing. What? Heat stroke. Heat, oh, amen. My goodness, it's warm. Is there a conditioning in the dorms at SDSU, do you know? the newer ones yes and the older ones no but they're actually putting in window units really commence uh, uh, grumbling like an old man <laughs> about when I was a kid and I was in college <laughs> with 90 degree plus days I remember <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean, honestly I do grumble like that I'm like seriously come on drink water yeah but anyways no I mean I shouldn't joke because some people have this had but I mean when you have some 4,000, 5,000 people in the residence yeah. halls. It's not surprising that uh, the few that have fainted or had some issues keeping water. Yeah, I did. I heard that some students were getting sick from the heat. So, well, we'll tr- invite them to the air conditioned chapel. There we go. Your Pius 12th Newman Center. Take. Where the confessions are free. <laughs> There's something Remember, there. Hell is hot. Don't go there. But uh, hey, there we go. That you should you should have plaque. You should walk campus with that placard raising that. Uh, uh, I don't know if I want to walk campus in any placard. Oh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe not a good idea. Die Hard Three. Oh, anyway, that's another story. So, Father, we're not here to talk about heat, though, are we? No, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, we're going to talk about Father Dickinson's favorite book, The Brothers Karamat. Oh, wait. No, that was something else. Father, no, actually, favorite book is probably still uh, Cry the Beloved Country. Come again? Cry the Beloved Country by Alan Patton, I believe it is. I've never heard of the book. It's a book about uh, apartheid South Africa. Oh, wow. I've read it since like senior year of high school, so maybe some things I don't like it anymore. But so, real out of curiosity, just very quick, because this is what we do on this this radio show and podcast. Get to hear what, what, uh, we'll keep it under thirty seconds. But uh, why did you like this book so much, Father? Honestly, I don't remember, and the only reason I still quote it is because it's somewhat obscure and it makes me sound like I'm intellectual. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy here on Ignition. 
What can I say? Although humility would probably be better than honesty next. Okay. okay. All right. So be it. So, uh, th- but again, that's that's not the book that that it, it may be father's favorite book. Well, in some ways, probably second favorite book then. But as father and I often joke uh, about the Bible and my alleged ignorance thereof. Um, as, ignorance as as a as as a si- mere systematic theologian, um, uh, and 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 father uh, loves to poke fun at me for some reason about that. I really don't know why, Father. It's, that's just mean. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just have hurt your feelings. <laughs> Confessions are free. At, uh, no. uh, so so we're, we're going to talk about Scripture today, and this is something, uh, Father, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, I, my sense is that uh, it, certainly over the span of our lifetime, so you know, from the early mid-70s to today, uh, really after after the council, there's there's been a, a good shift in the approach of many Catholics, or at least I should say the mentality of many Catholics towards the idea of, uh, we'll start with the idea of studying the Bible at least, and then, and then we'll get into other other aspects of, of, of how we can enrich our spiritual lives with the, with the Bible later. But uh, you know, for a, a long time, even though the church has has uh, implored the ch- the magisterium, I should say, the pope and the bishops and uh, and so on, have implored uh, Catholics for centuries, uh, those who were able to read uh, and had access to Scripture to read the Bible. This is this has been the case for a long time, uh, certainly before well before Vatican II, but Vatican II in a particular way. Uh, give an impetus to this this emphasis on scripture study, and and I think again, Father, that, that since the council, we, we we've seen a, a, probably a considerable shift, where where even if many Catholics don't necessarily study the Bible, aren't involved in a Bible study, uh, don't study it on their own, at least they, many of our parishes offer that sort of thing, and and people are more comfortable with the idea today than they were uh, maybe a few, two three generations ago. What what do you think about that? I did not live two or three generations ago, but it seems like we are getting more and more comfortable with the uh, with the scriptures. Yes. When I just talk to people who uh, are older than us by a few years, perhaps uh, that, that's the sense I get that they talk about. You know, when they're growing up, it it wasn't encouraged as much as it is today for to read the Bible as lay Catholics. What do you think? Right. Oh, very much so. And I think. Um, uh, like I, I know uh, Monsignor Rahul, the senior priest of our diocese, the, would talk about the influence of some of the papal encyclicals. And way he talked about that papal and episcopal urging of the readings of scriptures, he was especially fond of, I believe, this, uh, Pope P- Venerable Pope Pius XII and Divino Afante Spiritus. Yep. Um, but also then, I think in my own uh, experience of faith, how I probably didn't have much scripture. Well, actually, apparently I had a lot of scripture exposure because I went to a, a Bible school with my Baptist neighbor once, and at the end of the week, uh, this is in the summertime, like a vacation Bible school, and at the end of the week, uh, the Baptist minister complimented my mom saying, I didn't expect your son would know that much scripture for a Catholic. <laughs> so I started young. Kudos to Mrs. Dickinson. Yes. Well, actually, anyways. And uh, the, uh, but like even think about my own kind of diving into the faith more seriously in college, it was really scriptural based. A lot of the stuff I was reading about the sacraments and things of that sort, um, and uh, like, like holy cow, this you know the, the Bible is so Catholic. It was I mean one of my thoughts over and over again on reading different things, and uh, you know, I, I think some of the resources and opportunities are that are available now or even the past. Uh, almost 20 years since I went to college, um, 
are uh, are certainly different than what uh, than what was available. You know, two or three generations ago. Absolutely. And I think part of that too, you know, what you're just saying about, so the, the biblical basis for, for our beliefs, I, I, I really think that's, that's also been part of the, uh, frankly, the more recent uh, past, the last 20 years, give or take with, uh, I, I think particularly of, of the many um, uh, scholars and ministers who have, who have joined the church from other Christian traditions and have brought with them, first of all, their love for scripture, uh, which they had as Protestants, but then secondly, their understanding of the biblical basis for the Catholic faith because they investigated it uh, as as they were in the process of of following God's will into the church. Um, so you know all sorts of apologetics works that are out there that in many ways are written for. I mean, they're written by. Catholics, people who are Catholic now, maybe converts from Protestantism, uh, but but for Catholics, I mean, they're, they're to help us better understand the deep scriptural basis, the biblical roots for for all of our teachings in one way or the other. Some of them are more apparent or more obvious and some of them more implicit, uh, but that's one of the things that I love about our faith and, and, and living when we do. There are so many resources out there for us to understand um, the, the biblical basis, the biblical rationale for the things that we believe and for the things that we do. Is that kind of what you were thinking as well? Most certainly, yeah. And uh, even just thinking about uh, like the generation rising up that has uh, many of them in college with advantage of like focused Bible studies or that have done the uh, uh, Bible timeline for teens and uh, confirmation programs or in high school or some adults who have done the different salvation history studies of like Jeff Cavins and other resources. It's, uh, it's certainly there's much, just much more scriptural knowledge. Absolutely. And I think the, now the interesting thing now, I, I, um, going back to the idea of confessing things here, I, I, I know my tenant, this is my personal tendency. I'm not alone in this, but it might be the minority. But I'm one of those people who, who when I want to study something, m- what I tend to do is first um, read about the thing. And sometimes I rec- never actually get to the thing itself. So I, I, to me, Father, one of the important things when it comes to, to studying scripture with all these resources that are out there, make sure that you don't end up just studying about the Bible and that you actually study and read the Bible itself, right? Do you, do you see this ever, or or can you? is that something that's out there, do you think? Oh, certainly, and I think, like, I run into that quite a bit, with, even with college students, when they try to take a course on the Scriptures. You know, uh, many courses taught at, uh, whether at a, sec- uh, at a secular institution, or even at some Catholic institutions, or so-called Catholic institutions, they have um, a uh, a lot of talking about scripture but they will ever get into the the text itself or the story itself right i mean again there are there are so many terrific resources but don't let them prevent you from actually getting into into scripture itself because i mean that that's the that is the goal for all of well for all the good resources at least out there um their their the the intention of their authors and their creators is is that you we would use these resources to lead us into the bible and to better understand it and make sense out of it uh, for those times when 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 it is maybe a little more challenging or confusing, th- their intent is not that we would read or, or watch their resource instead of studying scripture. And most of them are, are very structured that way in terms of you know pause here or, or stop reading now and go read chapters X through Y in book C. Uh, at least that's my sense in the in the resources that I've seen. Uh, any yeah, thoughts on that? Most of them that are popularly available are that way. 
Um, I just kind of find that interesting phenomenon of, uh, especially like in core structures of this kind of occurrence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely that can definitely be the case. And I think of yeah. And even even. I think sometimes that can be the reality of a college student too. When you you just want to do what you know what you need to know in order to pass the test, and if you can avoid reading, you sometimes we will. I didn't say that. Cliff notes. Yes. So so speaking of cliff notes, though, or maybe not cliff notes, but approaches. I think th- there are a lot of different ways to to read the Bible, to study the Bible. Father, I'm going to throw a couple out there, um, and, and uh, you you might I don't know if you might want to say ditto to them, or, or maybe you'll have some other thoughts. Um, w- one of the ways that I I recommend people reading the Bible is actually to begin not at the beginning necessarily, um, although I'll talk about a way you can in a moment, but to begin. Uh, near the end with, with that is with the New Testament um, because most most Catholics at least tend to have have a good bit of familiarity more familiarity with with the the life and teachings and actions of Jesus and of the early church than with the Old Testament at least as a whole um, sometimes beginning with what you know better uh, can be a good approach so I I'll, I'll recommend that people begin with one of the Gospels uh, Mark's is the the shortest and, and, and sort of in a sense, the most concise and action packed for lack of a better word. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, John's is maybe a little bit more mystical in a sense, and Matthew and Luke are, are somewhere between between those two, between Mark and John. Uh, but they're all very readable, uh, very understandable. There's, there's, you know, in in by the main, there's not really a lot of of, of you know really foreign ideas, uh, some idioms and so on that a good study Bible can be helpful with, and we can talk about that later too. Uh, right. and, and the other thing about the Gospels is it's a pretty straightforward genre, and maybe even just like a, a good. Uh, pre-point is just that yeah. the Bible is just one book. Yeah. You know, we call it the good book. Um, it's a collection of many different writings, many different books, and there's many different styles. And that's why a lot of people are like, I'm going to read the Bible this year, and they flip it open to Genesis, you know, and they start to get bogged down probably in Leviticus. Yep. Um, and uh, But it's, oftentimes it's because we don't understand what sort of books we're reading. And the Gospels are easy ones, an easy genre to just jump right into absolutely uh and then following it with with acts also being the, the sort of volume two by by luke uh, the first volume being the gospel his gospel uh of jesus and then volume two being the the life of the early church in the acts of the apostles um and then maybe continuing through the rest of the new testament paul can get dense at times even even peter says that in one of his letters that paul's <laughs> writings aren't always easy to understand um but that's where a good study Bible can come in, Father. And I think probably for for the for just the average lay Catholic, the best one that I've seen, in particular, we're talking about the New Testament here, is the uh, Ignatius Press Catholic Study Bible. Um, gr- a great resource for just giving some of the background information, helping to explain some of the the concepts, maybe the cultural references um, that that might be a bit foreign to the average Catholic reader. Uh, have you seen that at all? Looked at that at all? I've seen some of it and uh, not not a whole lot but yeah i can uh i do think it's a it's it's a good resource it's a good 
so that it's well available. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and the other, and then, uh, the other approach. So maybe beginning with the New Testament, one one way to get into studying the Bible. Uh, the other approach, though, uh, sort of uh, piggybacks of what Father was saying um, by by talking about the different genres. And and one of the um, Jeff Jeff Cavins popularized this approach, but but others were were uh, referring to and advocating it um, be, before before him of reading the narrative books of the Bible, the the, the, the books that tell the story of God's people because some of the other genres that are in there are more of the the collection of ritual laws as in for instance Leviticus um, the the writing the, the the Psalms which are hymns of praise lamentation and so on the Proverbs you know little wisdom nuggets all good all inspired I'm not, I'm not certainly not disparaging any of those other books but just as a way to get a, a sense of the big picture of the Bible and the overall story of the Bible as a whole, one uh, one good approach that that again Jeff Cavins has really popularized is to read through the narrative books of the Old and New Testament. So uh, I don't have the list in front of me um, right now, but it begins with Genesis and Exodus uh, and continues through the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, it's um, Luke and Acts. The, again, the the two volumes of of the writer Luke, the evangelist Luke that I, that I mentioned earlier. So those are the two, Father, the two approaches that I find to be the most helpful that I recommend most often. Do you have any other thoughts on that? No, I think that's that's great. Just as far as for jumping in. Uh, to reading more scripture and just adding it more. The only one maybe that I would add is if if you didn't feel like you wanted to try and tackle a whole book of the Bible or a whole sequence, would be to follow what we call the lectionary reading. Yeah. Um, and so the lectionary, word lectionary, is related to the word uh, to to speak or to pronounce, and it's just a collection of the readings. And so as Catholics, uh, you may not know this, but as Catholics, uh, Father doesn't just pick out whatever reading he wants for Sunday, uh, but rather there's a schedule of readings that's been set well ahead of time, uh, almost some 50 years ago now or so, that the schedule of readings was set, and uh, and uh, the whole church uses those readings on any given on that given Sunday, and so to to read that and study that would be a great place to begin as well. Yeah, and and I think it's that'll be a a, a great segue into. The, the the second topic for for today's episode, um, uh, praying scripture, but beginning just sticking with, for a moment with the with the lectionary. Um, it's a th- for Sundays. You're just talking about Sundays. It's a three year cycle. So every three years, <coughs> excuse me, um, every three years the cycle starts anew. So so it, it, A B C are the letters that are assigned. But um, Matthew's gospel is read by and large, and with some old and New Testament as well. Um, year B is Mark, and then year C is is Luke, and then John's worked in there on on Sundays during Easter and so on. But you're exposed. We don't read all of the Bible over those three years, but we're exposed to all the major, the different the groupings of writings um, in Scripture. And the daily cycle then, which is a two-year cycle, if you read the Mass readings for daily Mass, um, you're exposed to considerably more. Again, still not all of the Bible, but cons- we're exposed to more of the Bible when, when, if you're able to read the read. And most of our parish bulletins, Father, I think in my experience, almost every parish I've ever been to or visited 
certainly attended, uh, includes you know, this week's scripture reading. So people can look up uh, the, the passages in the Bible at home and, and read along if, if, if they're not able to get to daily mass. Um, so, but, but that, again, that gets us into the whole idea, Father, of not just studying the Bible, but praying the Bible. And what, what's the distinction and the importance of both there? Well, yeah, it's a good thing. So um, let's actually maybe make an analogy, of because uh, prayer, uh, first of all, let's just define prayer. I think study is pretty clear to find study to know something, right, to uh, to know the parts of it, to know what it's made. Um, so like if you were to study um, a avocado, you would know that the skin, you'd know the the meat or the flesh, you would know the seed, you would know where the little pit is, and things like that. Um, so to study that, but when you uh, uh, get to prayer, right? Prayer is something different than study. Uh, prayer is especially a communication, uh, and so like uh, the Catechism will quote Saint Teresa of Lisieux, where it speaks of prayer as a surging of the heart towards God. Right. Um, and another thing to remember about prayer, especially as as Catholics, as Christians, right? We believe that God has spoken first. Um, that uh, especially in Christian prayer, it's it's not so much our effort to find this God. Hey, if God, if you're out there, if your name happens to be Jesus, would you maybe do this for me? But also the fact that God communicated first, and so part of our prayer is learning how to to find Him, to hear Him, and to and to then enter into communion, communication with Him. And we can do that with the inspired word in a particular way. Then. Most certainly. And so when we think about scriptures and we look at the difference between praying and studying with scriptures, think about it for a moment, Dr. Bergwald. How often do you study your wife? Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but then, and then how more uh, does studying your wife replace communicating with your wife? Right, exactly. No. Right. N- and so uh, uh, to study your wife, I'd be to know her mannerisms, her personality, the things that make her mad. Uh, such as studying her. Uh, <laughs> but then it's also important to actually communicate with your wife, to hear what she has to say, to see, and then to examine and see what her words evoke or cause to happen within you. Exactly. Okay. So how do we apply that then to the Bible? Well, great. So you can study the Bible, you can read it, you can look at all the different parts of it, you can, what type of a gospel is the Gospel of John, and maybe who was Matthew writing to in his gospel, and so on and so forth. But then to actually say, all right, Jesus, what do you have to say to me? So just, I think, a very genuine, open attitude about that. We may have talked about this attitude in maybe a prayer uh, episode of the past. Um, You know, Jesus, what are you doing right now? Jesus, I believe you're alive. Jesus, I believe you are in the scriptures. What are you saying to me through this passage right now? And so that's so when we study the Bible, we're in a sense trying to understand what Jesus said at the time. We're, we're trying to get a sense of, of just the, the plain meaning, the the, uh, the the technical term, the literary sense of of the passage we're reading. So the example we're talking about here is maybe the Gospels. So. What did Jesus say? What did he mean by that when he was speaking to the crowds or to his disciples or to the Pharisees and Sadducees and so on? But then this other, when we're, when we're more 
praying scripture, Father, what you're saying is uh, we're looking now, not what, just what these words mean for the people who heard them uh, two, nearly 2,000 years ago, but what do they mean? Because they're inspired, we believe that these words also have an application. They're directed at me today then. Is that right? That's very right. That's very correct. Um, that you are not, uh, as the scriptures itself speak, you know, the word of God is living and alive, uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to uh, separate uh, uh, the bone. Bone and marrow. Bone and marrow, I think. And so, um, yeah, you know, listeners, and so to have this confidence, this attitude that, that the word of God is effective and alive and is impactful to your own daily life. Yeah, so we can read all sorts of things that are true. I mean, you know, hopefully the history books we read and um, maybe for those of us who are into science, the the science texts that we read and so on. Those things can all be true, but they don't speak to us um, in, in the direct way. They're not and it's focused at us, obviously, in the way that scriptures, the, scripture has aptly been called to me, uh, God's love letter to humanity. Uh, God speaks to all of us and to each of us somehow in the Bible when we read it attentively in a spirit of prayer. So uh, in order to do that, Father, there, there are all, all sorts of methods out there to, to study scripture uh, or to pray scripture in particular. Um, and I think a lot of them, just the, the whole idea of, of meditating on the Bible, just trying to read the, again, we're not trying to read for information here. So just being willing to take uh, a few verses, um, certainly a chapter would be probably more than enough in many cases when we're trying to pray the Bible. So, um, whether it's the gospels or, or something, maybe it's maybe it's the readings from mass, just to, to, to ask God to send the Holy Spirit among us into our minds and our hearts, and then just to slowly, reflectively read the passage uh, and being attentive to how God is, is, is maybe speaking to us in a particular word or phrase. Is, is, uh, what other ways are there that we can meditate on Scripture? Well, I think that's really one of the best ways is uh, to see what might be brought up in you um, in that way. And it's, it's challenging because it requires a certain interior attentiveness that our modern world doesn't really foster. Um, I, I, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of uh, there's that kind of famous line in uh, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters in which the senior uh, tempting demon, the uh, main protagonist of that little uh, uh, satire, is writing how uh, uh, they hope that the grand noise of, uh, of this new culture will shout down all the quiet whisperings of heaven. And so, uh, so in that sort of prayer, it does take some quiet attentiveness uh, to see what might be being stirred up, and then just a, a willingness to follow it in a conversation with God, and not to jump to conclusions. So, what does that mean? Well, I, I, thinking of uh, some uh, someone who I've worked with in the past, where they're talking about reading a passage on the Eucharist, and uh, I think it was on John chapter six, and they're like, "Oh, this is so great!" And uh, and so when I read that, I just started thinking about the real presence, and and like they immediately started thinking about doctrine mm. and things of that sort. And so I listened to them talk for a minute, and I said. Well, did, so in your prayer on this, did you thank God for the gift of the Eucharist and for the scripture talking about it? And like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, do you think maybe he was calling you to be grateful? 
with a passage like that, you know, when, uh, when you encountered a passage like that, that and in that way. And yeah, you know, that probably was a call to be, to be grateful, to speak to God in gratitude and from gratitude for what you just read and, and learned. It's a, a good example there of the distinction between studying Scripture and praying Scripture then, right? Very much so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so there's a... There's so much more. The church exhorts us to both study and pray scripture. So uh, there's a lot more that Father and I could say, <coughs> excuse me, um, and we maybe we'll say it again in uh, another episode of Ignition, but we encourage you to get into the good book. Uh, and with that, we will draw this episode of Ignition to a close. Again, email me with any questions you have on this or any other topic, uh, ideas for future episodes. The email address, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And now, mighty God bless you all, dear listeners, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.